Welcome to the Season 8 bonus episodes, Witchy Women. These episodes are in support of the world premiere of the revised Witch, the Connor and Smith musical premiering in Baltimore with Still Point Theater. Thank you for listening and joining us. We're going to do this for a couple of weeks, and then we'll move on to our Silver Bells podcast season. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are embarking on a new little journey here. Uh, Matt and I's musical. Matt and I's musical? That's not the proper English, is it? Uh, the Connor and Smith musical, which premieres in Baltimore, opens November 9th, uh, runs the next couple of weekends after that. And leading up to that, I'd like to look at some of the characters, historical characters who are in the musical witch um and also just some other witchy movies that are kind of fun or whatever uh we made a little mini list and <laughs> instead of talking about the movie that we watch we're just going to talk about the figure in general uh, other media including joan of arc yes this is about joan of arc um we watched the messenger um the story of joan of arc uh with mila jovanovich and jovovich jovovich we don't recommend it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw it back at the theater back in the day. Did you see it in the theater? Or did you just see it recently? I just saw it in the past uh, five years. Okay. So I saw it at the theater. I was a huge fan of the director. Uh, we won't mention his name or really talk about him. He's a me too, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, and anyway, uh, so I, I remember not liking it then. And you said you liked it, and you wanted I, to watch it. I feel bad saying that now. Um, Upon and, second view, I yeah, did not like. Yeah. And then I watched it again. I was like, especially since I had seen uh, two other things that are considered some of the best, not only uh, things about Joan of Arc, but uh, wonderful film. Like one of the uh, women from the silent film from 1928, The Passion of, of uh, Joan of Arc, uh, directed by Dreyer, uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer. Um it's the only role she ever did, and to this day, people say it is one of the best screen performances ever, uh, completely done uh, in, in, in silent uh, film. Uh, and then the other one was The Trial of Joan of Arc, mm -hmm. which was Robert Bresson uh, from 1962. And they both kind of follow the same thing as far as what was actually in the transcript and the text, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so the trial of Joan of Arc is, is very, very good uh, as well. Very short, hour and four minutes. Both of them are on the Criterion channel if you want to watch them. But watching those prior to watching The Messenger <laughs> was like, oh my God, what are they doing to this person? So this director decided not to tell her life as a history book. He wasn't interested in necessarily the correct history. He was interested in telling an interesting story. But it's not really... Uh, some of the things are kind of what supposedly happens some yeah but it also kind of portrays her like oh no she's just bipolar 
she doesn't really see God or have visions. You well, know? Which is, I mean, I don't know if I probably would say she didn't. You know what I mean? Um, sure. But it, at the same time, they make her like crazy. They make her insane. Yeah. And she, and I got to say, I love her. I love Mila and all of her action stuff. Uh, she's done actually some serious things as well that I've always loved her in. But this was not the role for her. I don't know if it was the director who she was married to at the time. She got a Razzie um, for worst but it actress. Was, it was not... And again, I think it was the director's vision, a male view of what Joan of Arc was. And I think that was the problem because I think it was supposed to be a female director. Yeah. Catherine Bigelow was supposed to direct it. And then uh, the direct, the producer at the time said, I want my wife to be in it. Mila Jovovich, Jovovich. And uh, she left. Catherine Bigelow left because of that because she wanted someone else. So who knows what movie we could have had directed by a woman contemporaries of mila around this time 1999 winona ryder could have saved this movie maybe i think Gwyneth paltrow no 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 not yet no she just did shakespeare in love 98 okay she could have gone this like different route that's another thing she never killed anybody and in this film phoebe cates <laughs> Maybe a little Jamie, past. Jamie Gertz. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. Hey. No, not not, no. not young enough. No. Um, but yeah, no, so watching that, those back-to-back, it was maybe a, a detriment to The Messenger. But I also think you know, it's not a very good movie. There's some beautiful com- composites, you know, compositions in the film. Uh, I think that person is a good director. I like a lot of their other films. Uh, I don't think this one was... I mean, it was. it wanted to be Braveheart. And it wasn't even like as fun as that. You know no. what I mean? It was like everybody had seen a few medieval siege scenes and they wanted to do that. And they're like, Joan of Arc, the Siege of Orléans. Right. Which is a great sequence. The trial's a great sequence. I love Faye Dun- Dunaway in almost anything. So I'm always happy when she pops up. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman is her conscience? Question mark. Um, um, I just let's talk about Joan of Arc real okay. quick. So, like, um, what I find interesting that there was during Joan's youth, mm-hmm. there was a prophecy circulating in the French countryside based on the visions of Marie Robin of Avignon mm-hmm. that promised an armed virgin would come forth to save France. And also another prophecy, this is uh, earlier attributed to Merlin, stated that a virgin carrying a banner would put an end to France's suffering. So I question a lot of what actually happened with Joan of Arc as far as what she actually did because of these prophecies that existed and it's so close to that because i you know i i would call myself a spiritual person but i don't believe in magic if that makes sense do you know what i mean well i mean i i believe she was a political tool and pawn which happened during the hundred years war and so it's very possible which was actually like 120 some years i don't know why they rounded down because 20 years matters but um she seems very much like a um a person who was used as a symbol for france right but she stepped forward first and it's the stepping forward look I don't know what religion people are or are not, what they believe in or do not. This woman was canonized to sainthood years and years after they killed her. Uh, uh, But it's interesting um, if we're dealing with saints 
and historical figures who became canonized, looking at what they supposedly did on while they were on Earth, there's a lot of things out there that could be true, could be not. We weren't there. We don't know. Absolutely. What was alleged and what actually happened. I've never seen a miracle. That doesn't mean they don't exist. Sure. I just haven't been lucky enough to see one. But this woman clearly did a lot of incredibly courageous things. Absolutely. And I think that... I think she did love her country. And I think whether or not the things that were attributed to her as far as the banner and all of those things, since they were so close to um, the, prophecy. the prophecies, however, the, the maidenhood thing, you know, was was checked twice. So, <laughs> you know, we, we know that's that that was and she called herself the maiden, right? The maid of, of Orléans. Yeah, of Orléans. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I find it interesting the trial and and the trial of Joan of Arc and Passion of uh, Joan of Arc is because it takes it from the transcript so you're hearing but it's the transcript written by men and was the right thing written down and saved but it does come across and show you who she was she was very smart even though she was illiterate do let's, you know what I mean let's talk about the trial uh, in and of itself yeah so the trial is the basis for where we meet Joan of Arc in the witch musical. Uh, when she was being accused of heresy, which included blaspheming by wearing men's clothes. Yeah. Acting upon visions that were demonic. So that was seeing St. Margaret, St. Catherine, and St. Michael. And refusing to submit her words and deeds to the judgment of the church. What what crazy times, man. Yeah. And, and th th to be... To be clear about this this trial, as it happens in which, which tells, you know, all of its historical moments in song, um, and so there's a little bit of tongue and cheekness to a lot of that. We turned the trial of Joan of Arc into a game show, and we decided to do that because the kind of torturous method they used in the trial and like how long it lasted and they'd throw her in a pit and bring her out and ask her well she was supposed to be kept in an ecclesiastical uh jail right so and she would have been watched over by women but she was being watched over by men in a jail and that was you know she wasn't given a fair trial from the beginning she was already this is all a political thing so for her to be accused of these crimes knowing that it's not true goes to i think a game show in a way because you're kind of it's almost a needling of the truth right well absolutely they they there was a moment in the transcripts at least because i read the transcripts and kind of condensed it into like an eight minute song and she was asked a question that she at one point says you asked me that already and they threw her back in the pit and they were angry and, and they looked at the record of what they had asked and she was right. So she was keeping her wits about her in this chess match that she knew was going to lead to her death no matter what. So it was this torturous ordeal of keeping, dragging her out, asking her the same shit. They don't like that answer back in the pit. Well, they, they even asked her a question that if she would have answered yes to one thing would have happened that would be horrible and, and the other thing would another and she answered it perfectly mm -hmm. without either of those things and they were so always amazed even from the transcript of how she was answering them and not getting herself into trouble it was it was she was an amazing person 
especially what for what she stands for France now. And I think the transcript goes to show kind of why she's held up in such regard. And at a certain point in the trial, I mean, I can't remember his day, 20, whatever. I, it goes on for quite some time. She's basically resolved to, it, it doesn't matter what I say, just do what you're going to do. And in the song, it leads to a rousing gospel chorus of let me burn away, burn away. And everyone starts clapping along until you realize everyone's clapping her being burnt. Absolutely. Um, which is a creepy moment, I think, because the audience loves a gospel hook yeah, and, and starts like, clapping wait, along wait and then you're second. clapping to the yeah. burning of a woman. Oh, man. And there, all this to say, I do remember watching, besides The Messenger, a few other. I think there's a made-for-TV movie I watched. Uh, there's one that's really bad called St. Joan with uh, Ingrid Bergman. I did watch that. Yeah, pretty bad. I know Preminger, I think, directed that. She's like a plucky, like, let me put on a man's suit and go to you know, oh, suit of armor. gracious. It's, it's very almost like if... Um, that girl or the flying nun did Jonah. <laughs> so in my like research of all of this, because I've always been fascinated by the story and by her. Sure. And I'd watched Passion and Trial uh, many years ago, all through the record Criterion. And uh, I found out today there was a, a French miniseries about five and a half hours long uh, that was released, of course, in France uh, <laughs> that was called Joan the Maid. Yeah. Um, which evidently is amazing, and it's by directed by Jacques Rivette, uh, who evidently it's his masterpiece. A lot of people say, and it really tells the story uh, of of Joan the Maid, Joan Joan of Arc, really, really well. So I'm going to track that down uh, at some point and watch it. It explores the years that she worked as a cleaning lady, right? Yeah, yeah. in Orléans. Yeah. Joan the Maid. It's yeah. like the maid era. No, no, no. She's a maid of a Orleans. Maiden. She's yeah. a virgin. Yeah. Which, yeah. That whole thing. I mean... Men were too obsessed with that. They still are. Way too obsessed with it's it. It's so awful. Um, like, why does that have anything to do with... Uh, any uh, Anyway. Well, the the what, reason... The, the men's clothes. She, she was, for heresy, blaspheming by wearing men's clothes. So That's it's crazy. almost into a trans lens of today. It's almost into a... Like, who is she the saint of? Absolutely. And yeah. and she was damned for wearing those clothes and fighting or canonized for it. It's so... But she did... Well, I, I will say, I'm not quite sure why she signed the paper at one point. Yeah. And then recanted that. But th they had her at that point because they brought her in men's clothes for her to wear and nothing else. Mm -hmm. So she had to put them on. And then they said it was witchcraft. And then they said, well, be they caught her because if you sign that and then go back on it, then they can do exactly what they wanted to do to begin with. So they're always trying to trap her. And they tra finally trapped her. And uh, But then she recanted what she signed. I don't know. It's all very interesting I, there at the I end. I think she signed because she felt broken. And like I'm done with this, and then I think she had a struggle of conscience and soul. And I mean, she was almost raped in jail. Yeah, um, tortured. Uh, well, I think at a certain point of that long, of sustained mental and physical torture, you're ready to sign anything. Absolutely. But I think it is interesting that she did recant it, because it it reminds me of. Someone we're going to talk about in one of our upcoming episodes it reminds me of um, John Proctor. Oh, 
of give me back my name. I'm not signing this. I'll, I'll hang or whatever, but you can't take my name. So maybe she had that same kind of moment of this is history. She, she had stayed so close to her beliefs the entire time through everything. And then the reason she says that she takes it back is because they came to her again, uh, the, her visions, and told her that they were disappointed that, mm -hmm. that she, you know, basically said that they didn't exist. Yeah. So, and that's why she came back. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think that people can see other people or all that whole thing. I don't know. I just don't believe that that because happens. Because you don't. I know, I know, because I don't. I mean, hey, you don't know what's in my head. Some people do, though. I mean, who knows? I I have no... I do find it interesting, though, in a, in a Christian, uh, Catholic-specific way, that if there was something that happened that was a miracle, they just wouldn't believe it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It would be some. It would be the work of the devil, which is the point here. You know, it, it's it's it can't be what you guys say is supposed to always happen. Well, even her visions would be the work of the devil, right? Yeah, demonic. Because mm -hmm. um, they're coming to a woman and not an ordained man of the cloth. Um, uh, man of the cloth uh, in the trial when uh, he was saying something about her wearing a specific thing, and then she like goes back to him. Well, you don't look like somebody that would be. You know, she takes it back on him because he's dressed in this opulent purple thing, you know? It was yeah. just... And that was... That's the thing. The, all these men are wearing gowns, you know? Exactly. <laughs> wait, wait a second. What are you wearing, sir? Is that Prada? Oh, my God. Just the hypocrisy is crazy. Oh, God. Um, and then the fact that the Catholic Church then canonized her. Yeah. And said, it's okay. She's okay now. Yeah. It's okay. I don't know why I've always been fascinated with, with Joan of Arc, but, like, now I want to, like... I've never read a book about Joan of Arc. I, mm -hmm. There's tons of them. I looked it up today. There's tons... Of books about Joan of Arc that I would be really interested in reading and tracking down this miniseries from France. I think there's a part one and a part two. Mm -hmm. um, it was released in America, but I think it was a truncated version, so they cut off a little bit of it, to, you know, to show, uh, which is supposedly still great. But the whole thing, of course, would be fascinating to see. But yeah, no, I, I, and so Joan of Arc in which, what brought the choice of that? Of including her? Of including her, yeah. You know, there's a Carol... Um, oh, God, is it Carol Churchill? Is that someone right? Playwright. Uh, I saw a, a play many years ago called Top Girls. I think it's Carol Churchill. Um, it's like uh, almost like a dinner party of all these different women through history. And I found it fascinating. And when I was trying to conceive which... I didn't want it to be a dinner party, but I did want it to be. I mean, Assassins does the same thing. It brings together a whole bunch of characters who are, have a share a trait um, and puts them in the same place. These famous women don't necessarily interact with each other as historical figures, um, but everyone takes their turn to help to support and tell their story. So Joan of Arc was just going down the list of famous you know historical women accused of witchcraft or whatever i mean she is one of the most famous earliest examples um i think it's the oldest we have in the show the oldest account of someone um, because what she was born in 14 it was the 1400s yeah she lived to 19 because yeah. i think i think that uh salem witch trials were what 1600s something like that i'm gonna get a bunch of comments on that i should know i know that maul dyer is 1600s um 
we do have uh, Rebecca Nurse from the Salem Witch Trials, uh, and that is uh, what were the years there? Is it 18s? Salem Witch Trials were 1692 to 1693. Okay, so 18s is way off. The 15th century. So that's like 200 years after, Definitely. or over 200 years after uh, Joan of Arc. But I mean, it's amazing what Joan of Arc stood for. That's, and of course, that's the what you go to when you're doing research on women, especially. I mean, one of the first feminists, right? Mm -hmm. um, and being accused of witchcraft, and then then you start doing research on her story. You're like, oh God, we have to tell this story. Well, right? I, I thought, how the hell do you boil down her life yeah. into one musical number? Because that's what each one of these women get, and that's. It's a long musical number, but I thought, how do I tell all of this story in an entertaining way? And that's when the game show, it was Matt's idea, of course, um, came about. And that way we could ask her questions about her past and hear her answers. And so we learn, as an audience, if you knew nothing about Joan of Arc, you'd get like an eight-minute crash course. And then, you know, uh, we realize... We cause the fervency of applauding somebody burning, as I said earlier, which was kind of the end goal of it, um, to, to kind of put an audience. Because I've often thought to myself, whether it's at a burning at the stake or hanging at the gallows or whatever horrible method that many of these women were killed using, how? I mean, I know they didn't have Facebook and TikTok, but like how are these people sitting and watching it and cheering and eating and... Bringing their kids. I mean, that goes. That's that's humanity, man. I mean, think about uh, the Western, uh, the West here in America. Uh, you know, years what two hundred years later, we hadn't changed. We were still hanging people in the town square, I and mean, we were all coming as like and eating food, and this was like a thing to come to and selling murder ballads. And I, I mean, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 unfortunate. I mean, I don't know. People always talk about, you know, when I was growing up, you know, next thing you know, they're going to have, uh, you know, uh, somebody in an electric chair on TV or whatever. There was a whole bunch of stuff in the early 90s about that. And I'm like, well, of course, it, it's always existed. Mm -hmm. We're just supposedly civilized now that we don't do that. Do you know what I mean? Right. Or we have movies to do that for us. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But, like, it, it's just... I don't know what it is in the human psyche that we it's like Christians to watch to the people. lions, right? It's feeding the Christians to the lions. It's yeah. it's the the arena. What do you call it? It's the you know oh, Coliseum. It's the where where people watch people fight yeah, to the death. Yeah, it's Coliseum. gladiator. It's, yeah, absolutely. I mean that that oh God, you got to get like do a play or something. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's next on the agenda? Do we know what we're going to be doing next? Um. We can make whatever decision we want offline, right. but I, I think we are going, going to talk about things such as maybe a little Wizard of Oz, Ooh. maybe a little um, uh, The Witches, maybe a little The Witches of Eastwick. Yeah, and if anybody's listening and wants to give us a suggestion, that would be good as well. I also want to make sure I cover specific characters in this show. So there is a documentary called The Witches of Gambaga that you can watch on Vimeo. Um, with English subtitles, which I recommend, uh, that tells the story of witchcraft in modern day today. Um, uh, that sounds fascinating. I can't wait to watch that. It's fascinating and it's it's powerful and it, it's horrible, but still there's a sense of hope. 
hmm. that is maintained that's kind of incredible. Um, and also uh, The Crucible. We will be watching The Crucible. Yes. Um, came out when we were in college. Yeah, Daniel D. Lewis, man, he uh, went out there, I don't know how many weeks or months in advance and lived on the land and became the of character. Of course he did. I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, yeah, totally. I don't think Winona did that, did she? I think he did. I think, did he build the cabin? I, I may be <laughs> extrapolating. The lore, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a great discussion about the Maid of Orléans, Joan of Arc. Um, thanks for listening, y'all. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us for this season eight bonus episode of Witchy Women. Um, if you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Patreon, YouTube under Connor and Smith. Again, Connor with an ER. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. Share it where you share things. Post it where you post things. We are very grateful for our Patreon support. Thank you so much for all of you who are our Patreon family. If you want to learn more about becoming a Patreon supporter, you can find the link in the podcast notes. Thanks so much for joining. Bye.